0: Well, good morning, Church, uh, and welcome. As we continue our series this morning uh, on on the new series that we started uh, in the title, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, I'll be talking this morning about one strategy that the enemy uses to, to attack our life. In his book, Louis Giglio talks about guilt and shame and how the enemy uses that to disempower us, particularly in our moment of failure. Now, I like to pick on that idea and and talk about two persons who long to be seated at our table. These two persons, as, as I go through the preaching, you will see are at the opposite end of the spectrum and the purpose for which they long to be seated at our table are also diametrically opposed to each other. And this morning I'll be focusing on one particular aspect of their ministry. Now I have a bottle here in my hand. When I was in elementary school, I must have been uh, 12 or 13 years old, one day while I was walking back home from school I found a soft drink bottle uh, on the side of the road. Now back then You could sell the bottle for for a few uh, coins. And as a kid, I was uh, uh, glad about the prospect of getting some some coins so I can spend them on candies and gums and, and, and whatnot. But there was one problem with the bottle that I found. The very bottom of the bottle, this circle part, was broken. So I was not sure if I could sell it. But nevertheless, I, I took it home and I kept it somewhere safe so nobody else in the house could see it and then forgot about it. Now, a couple of days after this happened, one day while I was sitting uh, outside our house, uh, there comes this guy who walks around the neighborhood uh, collecting and buying these kinds of items. So I suddenly remembered that I had that bottle which I found uh, a few days uh, back. So I rushed into the house, uh, brought the bottle back, uh, brought the bottle and, and, and asked the guy if, if he could buy it or if he wants to buy it. Now, here comes the funny part. It, it, it so happened that the guy seemed a bit intoxicated at the time uh, when he was uh, viewing the bottle. But he looked at the bottle, bottom and up, and, and, and he looked at it all the way and said he would give me 75 cents for it. I thought I wouldn't get a dime for it because it's it was broken. The whole bottom part was missing. It was broken. I don't know how that happened. That's how I found it. But I thought he wouldn't buy it. But he said he's going to give me 75 cents. Now that I knew he was going to buy it, uh, my confidence was boosted. So I said I'll take a dollar fifty. He said no. I said okay and then took my 75 cents and and lived happily ever after. That was until a few days later. The guy once again, while roaming through our neighborhood, uh, he reached at our house and he noticed someone was standing uh, at the door of our house and and it happened to be uh, my sister. So he said to her, someone from this household has sold me a bottle a few days ago that was broken. Now my, my sister had no idea that I had done that. So she fiercely argued that there is nobody in this house who would do that, this is an honorable house, there is no one who would do such a thing. Little did she know that I had already uh, done that. Now later it was discovered that I had sold that broken bottle to this guy, but nobody did anything about it, they just laughed and and, and went their way. But from the moment that my sister told me that this guy had come and said that, and said what he said, I, I immediately felt remorseful. I, rem- I immediately felt guilty for, for doing that. The next thing I did as a kid was to repent. Oh Lord, I shouldn't have done that. It was bad. I shouldn't have sold that broken bottle to this guy. So I repented. I asked the Lord for forgiveness. And to this day, I remember that it was a genuine and heartfelt repentance which started with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now the the next segment of what happened uh, in this story, which I will come to towards the end of my message, is a confirmation that as a kid there was something that the Lord wanted to teach me about the conviction of the Holy Spirit and about true repentance. Church, when we, with, when we miss steps in our walk with Christ, or as Christians, when we are entangled with the things of this world, there are always two persons that want to step into our table and lead us in a certain direction. The Bible calls the first person in the book of Revelations, chapter 12, verse 10, the accuser of the brethren. Revelations, chapter 20, verse 2, calls this person the serpent of old. Again, the Gospel of John chapter 8 verse 44 calls this person murderer and the father of lies. That is the devil and, and he is the arch enemy that you don't want to be seated at your table at any moment, particularly in moments of your failure. Now together with temptation one of the weapons that the devil consistently and strategically uses is the weapon of accusation and condemnation. He will accuse you of guilt, he will accuse you of shame, and he will accuse you of being unworthy of the grace of God. From Genesis to Revelation, he has consistently used accusation and condemnation as a weapon. And that is why he is called the accuser of the brethren. All he does is accuse. He will accuse you whether you are in in the mountain or in the valley. He will accuse you whether you are walking in righteousness or have stumbled in your walk with Christ. The enemy is always a fault finder and he will use every opportunity to pull a chair and sit at your table. That is why Peter says in in first Peter chapter 5 verse 8 be sober And vigilant be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour he walks about like a roaring lion he circles you he circles your life he circles your marriage he circles every aspect of your life and he does that looking for an opportunity to whisper his accusation oh you lazy Christian he will say you don't even know how to pray you call yourself a Christian but look at how you reacted when that driver stepped in front of you he will say he will point out flaws in your life and use them to attack you and your faith in Christ now the goal of his accusation is your destruction he wants to kill your faith in Christ by constantly reminding you of your inabilities And insufficiencies the enemy wants to take to take your eyes off of the grace of the Lord and fix it on yourself this creates a disconnect between you and the Lord and therefore instead of coming back to the altar to seek his forgiveness you end up drifting away from the court of his mercy and that leads to hopelessness that leads to self-blaming and a feeling of unworthiness of the grace of the Lord if you allow the enemy to sit at your table on the eve of failure that's what happens but there is another person that the bible describes and this person is also eager to sit at our table on the eve of our failure the bible calls this person in the gospel of john chapter 6 verse 7 the helper again john chapter 16 verse 13 calls this person The spirit of truth that is the holy spirit church and he is the gentle guide of our soul in the midst of troubled waters the holy spirit has a way of guiding us through the most difficult and uncomfortable situations even when we have fallen in sin the holy spirit has a way of opening up our eyes so we can see who we are and our failure while at the same time looking at the grace of the Lord that is sufficient to pull us out of the ditch. The enemy accuses us to destroy us, but the Holy Spirit convicts us to restore us. And he is a gentle spirit. He will not barge at your table, but he will whisper to your spirit so you know that he is there. And when you invite him in, He will come and He will join you at your table, He will teach you the truth, He will guide you to the truth, and He will empower you to walk in the truth. Church, the Holy Spirit is the greatest friend that we don't want to miss from our table. Now, let us quickly look at examples from the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 26 and 27, which demonstrates what I've been saying so far. Now, in this chapter, we see two disciples of jesus who who both sinned against the lord now one by the name judas the iscariot betrayed jesus by giving false reports to the authorities the other by the name peter denied him three times now let's read the relevant sections from from these two chapters now in matthew 26 verse 14 to 16 it is written Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. The story continues and in verses 47 to 49 we read, And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went, he went up to Jesus and said Greetings Rabbi, and kissed him. That was the sin Judas committed. What about Peter? Now we read in the same chapter 26 from verse 69 to 74, the Bible reads, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely, you also you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. So here you have two of Jesus' disciples who messed up and failed miserably at crucial moment. The treasurer Judas, Judas, who used to handle the finances of Jesus' ministry, now sold his master for 30 pieces of silver. The disciple, who confessed that he would die for Jesus, denied even knowing him. So both failed, both sinned. Now, when we continue and and read what happened in the lives of these two disciples after their failure, you will see that both of them had a moment of realization that they had sinned. But the way they came to realize that they have sinned was different. Now, concerning Judas, it is written in Matthew 27, from verse 3 to 5, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, meaning seeing that Jesus had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. What a tragedy that is. You see, rather than repenting and turning to his Redeemer in the first instance, he sought redemption from his own actions. He thought he could just return the silver, get Jesus released, and all was going to be good. Little did, Ju- little did Judas know that he had rendered himself as an instrument for the fulfillment of an old prophecy which said, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heels against me." This was a prophecy told by David back in in the Psalms concerning uh, the one who was going to betray Jesus, and Judas has rendered himself an instrument for the fulfillment of this old prophecy. Little did he know that things were now out of his control, and that his redemption could only come from above and not from returning the silver to the authorities. When he couldn't find redemption in the way that he went about, Judas finally took matters to his own hand and he hanged himself. And from this final result, you could definitely see who was sitting at his table. It was the accuser. On the contrary, Peter also had a moment of realization that he had failed, that he had sinned. And I love the word that is used in, in Matthew 26, verse 75. The Bible reads, Immediately a rooster crowed. This is after Peter denied Jesus three times. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. I love the word remembered because it it relates to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He will put you in remembrance of the things that I say to you. So when Peter remembered Jesus' words, it is an indication that it was the Holy Spirit who stepped into Peter's table and convicted him of his sin. Peter then went out, and he wept bitterly he didn't go out to meet the people concerning he didn't go out to meet the people concerned like judas did he didn't go out confessing to the people that he knows jesus he had to get things right with his god first before he can get things right with people so he repented and he waited to be empowered and led by the holy spirit in order for him to make things right and as the story of Peter's life unfolds, we all know that uh, he became bold and a bold witness to Jesus before, before Gentiles, before, before Judeans, before the Israelites, before the authorities, and, and across Samaria and across, across everywhere. Now when the Holy Spirit is the one who you invite into your table, He will make things right. Not only will he usher you to Christ to receive forgiveness, but he will also give you the opportunity to make things right. That is what he did for Peter. And that is what he did for me as a kid. Coming back to my story of the bottle that I sold when I was 12 or 13 years old, I said that I felt a deep sense of conviction and repented for selling that that bottle to the guy. My heart was now free from any condemnation because I believed the Lord had forgiven me. But I desperately longed that I would meet this guy one day so I could apologize to him face to face. A couple of years passed and I never met this guy. Now one Sunday morning in church, when I was walking home alone from church, I saw the guy sitting on the side of a road, exhausted and and resting. He was sitting on on a rock. Now, I I approached him. I was really delighted to see him. And I approached him and I asked him if he remembered buying a broken bottle a couple of years back. And, And to my surprise, and as God is my witness, he remembered buying the bottle. And not only did he remember buying the bottle, he also remembered the neighborhood where it happened. Then I told him that the kid who sold him that bottle was me, and I was really sorry for doing that. I told him that I have felt convicted for doing that and, and used that opportunity to, uh, to share the gospel with him. I told him that Jesus loved him. And now I was a kid, so I often don't have money, But the Lord planned this so well that that day I had one Ethiopian burr in my pocket. Remember, I sold the the broken bottle for him for 75 cents. Now I have one Ethiopian burr in my pocket. So I gave that money to him. He was very happy and I was very happy because I got to say sorry for him uh, face to face. And, And this church is the beauty of having the Holy Spirit at your table. I don't know what the Lord, why the Lord prompted me to tell this story of the bottle this morning. When we fell in sin, there is always something that can be used as a constant reminder of our failure. For Judas, it was the 30 pieces of silver. For Peter, it was the rooster crowing. In my story, it was the bottle. I don't know what that item is in your life but if you allow the accuser he will use it to torment you and shame you for the rest of your life but if you allow the helper if you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you concerning that thing not only will he help you get forgiveness but he will also give you the opportunity to redeem yourself back and he will use that item that the devil wants to use to shame you. The Holy Spirit will use it as a testimony of your life. And here is the testimony of the bottle that I am sharing with you. Because I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit. I acted on that conviction and, and sought forgiveness from the Lord. And the Lord also, down the line, gave me the chance and the opportunity uh, to make it back to the guy that I sold the bottle to. Now, how do I silence the, the enemy, the accusation of the enemy? I know I don't have enough time to get to that in detail, but I will leave you with a couple of scriptures for you to meditate on and perhaps pray on after we finish this service uh, this morning before you leave the service. Now, in Revelations chapter 12, verse 10 to 11, it is written, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus is one of the secrets to overcoming enemy's accusation and then the word of our testimony standing on the Word of God and declaring it uh, by faith is another key the second scripture that I would like to leave for you is Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 there the Bible declares I says the Lord even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins When God says, I will not remember your sins, He means it. If God forgets it, you should not remember it. And the last scripture that I would like to leave with you is Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit, knowing and consciously declaring the truth of these words, will set you free from the enemy's accusation. Know that the grace of the Lord is sufficient, and that it will reach you wherever you are in life. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord open your eyes to see his love towards you this morning. Amen.